My name is Jacob, and I'm a Norse pagan, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Folk Podcast. Today, we have a guest all the way from the Netherlands. So Claire, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time, because it's six o'clock there, so it's getting close to bedtime, but you're still on the podcast with us. Um, but Claire, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell everyone a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, first, thanks for having me. Uh, well, my name is Claire. I, uh, been, I've been born and raised in the Netherlands. Um, basically always been a kind of a Norse pagan. Never really knew it had a name though until I uh, went on the internet. Um, I've been raised in a pretty open spiritual family. So it was very, we were always very free to choose our own paths. And uh, for now I've been almost studying media for seven years. So that's also a big part of my life. Uh, together with a bit of philosophy, uh, which I did for half a year, which is right now mm, kind of wrapped up. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited to uh, talk about kind of my, my journey, just who I am. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, real quick for everyone listening, we actually do not have half the team today. Uh, so uh, Caleb Baker is actually at a, uh, like a, a gathering right now. Um, so he was going to try to be on, but he's not. And sure, it is having internet problems. So you are stuck with just us three today, but we'll try to keep you all entertained. But thank you for joining us. Um, but just to open it up, um, just because we already started talking about it and we got another darn Loki follower on the podcast because we had Terry last week who was also a Loki follower. So you want to tell us, tell us a little bit about your path with the old trickster? Uh, yeah, I think the first time I met him, I was, I believe something between four or five years old. So that's pretty young. I, all, I, I, I believe that every child in some moment in their life have like the Loki energy, you know, like the very enthusiastic and the mischief kind of thing going on. That never really left me, though. Uh, I, I remember um, not much of my uh, childhood as a, being a very small toddler, but I do remember interactions with him in dreams, uh, and just in general, just the whole energy going around there. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a very mischievous child, though. Um, I was always very keen on always telling the truth, even though if people did not really like that truth. Um, so I was really into the, uh, yeah, how do you say that? As a toddler, it's like, you accept the truth or I'll beat you up kind of, kind of vibe going on. <laughs> Which uh, when I read the, the Luxana was like, oh yeah, that 100% that would describe me at that time. Luckily I grew out of that a little bit. Um, but that's kind of how my journey with Loki started. And I started drawing, drawing him in pictures. Um, I, I had more vivid dreams with him and he became like a more, prominent character in my life uh, even when I was a teenager it was like the imaginary friend who never went away and I just finally accept that that he was around um, yeah that's kind of my path with Loki and I didn't even know that a patron thing was something and the moment I found, found Norse paganism I was like oh guess that would be my patron then because it's been there the whole time so uh, since then I kind of started calling him a patron it's uh, it's interesting. Most of the people that we've had on that have talked about their experiences with Loki or having him on as a patron have come into him more so like later on in their adult life. So it's really this is actually I think the first person that you're the first person I've talked to that has had him uh, basically around for your entire life essentially, which is really interesting to have like see that difference in in time span because yeah, most people I would say yeah have come into him most likely you know with the last 
you know, few years or a year or so that they've been practicing because a lot of people are a little bit newer to the path. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's different to see somebody who's been around him or had him around for their a whole life. Well, I was about to ask too, um, you said you were like drawing him and things like that, even at a younger age. Well, like, how did you actually depict him? Cause I know right now, I mean, I've brought this up in the Loki podcast before, like Tom Hiddleston is definitely like the prevailing picture of what Loki looks like. Um, so how, how have you, how have you always encountered him and seen him? Um, the funny thing is that I think the Marvel series, like as far as Tom Hiddleston goes, actually confused me and delayed me of finding out that he was actually called Loki because how I always used to see him as like, um, like a magician, like a trickster. He would always wear a top hat and he would like literally have magic things happening to that top hat and coming out like a, like someone who would work at a circus kind of thing, like kind of a clown or entertainer um like how uh, those entertainers would approach children like look what i can do and uh and uh just just general magic but also like little uh kind of tricks like suddenly a spider over your shoulder kind of thing like oh that's scary it's like ah it's not that scary you know it also can be a lot of fun um and as a child it was i wouldn't call him like a dad figure because that's definitely not what it is but more like the crazy uncle vibe going on like you um you know him uh, he doesn't show up a lot, but when he shows up, it's always fun. It's always just giggling and just messing around, but then in a good way. It's funny you bring that up because uh, like if I think if I have a family member that's like that, I have an uncle. His name is Crazy Uncle Eddie. Um, and this guy has the craziest stories. And so whenever he came around, you know, as a child, I always wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn about his last adventure that he had been on. Um, like one time he got stuck in like a cult in Texas. Um, like straight up, he got like, it was talking to these people at a bar and they're like, hey, you know, you need a place to stay. And he was like, well, yeah, I'm kind of a drifter. So they take him back to this compound and he starts, he sleeps there in the night. They wake up and they make him go to work the next morning. And he got stuck as like a slave for this like this cult for like a year and no one knew where he went and he eventually got out and so like the next time I had seen him he was telling this story I'm like what this is crazy so you know I definitely think as like you know Loki archetypes that he fit that really well because it seems like you know as a child I always loved him coming around but now as an adult I'm like that is not the kind of lifestyle that I should look up to <laughs> Almost like a kind of watch out. Uh, you don't want to be involved. It's cool that you do it. It's cool that's your life, but it's not mine kind of thing. <laughs> I think also with dreams, uh, the moment I, I always, he always had snakes with him. I think that's also like a very thing that, that eventually, and as a child, it's interesting. But when I grow up like, oh, uh, snakes can be very dangerous. They're not nice animals uh, overall. I mean, in, uh, wild snakes are not fun. And that's also like the kind of thing I eventually was a little bit, afraid of snakes just because he would always show up with them in my dreams and as a child I was like hmm, it's not really a big deal but right now I'm a little bit cautious and I actually had to overcome that fear a little bit because they yeah I think my first encounter with a snake was pretty terrifying I mean I wasn't showing it but from the inside I was like oh no I don't want to do this I don't want to hold him no don't make me pet it oh no, no go away <laughs> how many snakes do you even have in the Netherlands like does Europe have snakes I feel like, you know, you all have it easy over there. I mean, I live in Kentucky. We got like three different types of snakes that will, that will kill you. Mm, I think we have one type of snake that is really, <laughs> really dangerous. I think the others uh, are just having like snakes as pets. Uh, I used to go to a high school where they actually would teach you how to take care of animals, including exotic animals. And that would also invite full snakes. So we actually had to study like uh, snake eggs when they were like about to 
come out or they uh, they cracked out and we had to study them when they got fed didn't really like that personally but um that was a very fun twist to the high school I went to it's special here uh to go to such a school because it's very uh common here to have like um courses or subjects that involve things like wood carving or metal uh, work or uh going into nature I literally had one subject which was literally going outside in nature and just wrote down what you see uh, but it also involved right those Yes, the best class I ever had, honestly. It was just I, like this teacher, I remember him very, very clearly. He was just, he knew everything. He went into the woods, he knew everything. Every tree, every bird which came by, every plant, every little sound he could, uh, he could explain. It was very cool. Yeah, also then the snake stuff. And that's actually the moment I came kind of overcome like, oh, snakes are actually pretty fun. So they're still dangerous, which they taught us, but that, that, was also something that uh, was pretty interesting to uh, uh, to experience, I would say. I know um, you said earlier on, like when you were talking about uh, growing up with a very open household, like it's, I as well have, you know, grew up in a very similar situation. And I feel like it is, uh, I'm very grateful for that um, because, you know, most people that we've talked to that have come into the, into the space and everything like that have usually come from, you know, a household of, you know, strict, you know, Christianity and things like that. And I, you know, I think besides you, there's maybe one other person that I've, that I know that has kind of had that, um, that experience or like that way of growing up. Um, and I believe in, yeah, in the email, you said you also practiced Wiccan for a little bit. Um, was that kind of like your starting point uh, to kind of getting into everything as far as North paganism, or was that just kind of like a, I don't even want, I don't like using the word phase, but like a, a stage of, like of a practice that you kind of went through. I think it was a little bit more of my puberty phase because I, um, my, my father was, has always been really into mythology, uh, if according to Greek, Norse, anything European and mythological related, he would know. He has way more knowledge than I would ever have. Um, but uh, my mother was always very into divination work, uh, tarot cards. And when I was eight years old, she actually bought me those I know how to say it. There, there were like very small cards. And before I went to school, it actually pulled one. It'd be like, uh, sharing is caring and you are strong. You are smart. Those very little motivational kind of things. And there's where it kind of started, like picking cards and taking that message in onto uh, like throughout the day. Um, and when I became a little bit older, I was like, there must be more to this because my mother was also working with Tarot and she was working with, um, how do you call them again? drowsing rods and biosensors and I was like whoa that's so cool and but sometimes we even would go to such places where people would practice that uh, on a more uh, advanced level like conventions uh, and uh, certain groups and everybody had a different thing going on it was very cool as a child to experience and I think as a teenager if you're very open to experiment with that you eventually have that kind of wicked face like what if what is all this information where do I start just pick up a book I got my own tarot cards I got oracle cards uh with angels on them at first and then it kind of went to like unicorn cards even like <laughs> just a very fun kind of uh, oracle card and then it became a little bit more serious I started doing it for friends uh even helped my mother out a bit when she was doing divination work for other people um, and it came, it was like uh, more like a self-search uh, thing. And I think Wiccan has some very nice um, things to it, especially how they treat the elements. 
which I still use. Like uh, every element has a different kind of um, vibe or vibration to it. And eventually I ended up with the runes. Like, hey, I see that same connection again. It became very interesting to me to also explore that. And I kind of stuck with like the rune uh, runes uh, because I really like the explanation and just um, your own way of making the runes your own and using it as a divination work instead of the tarot, which is often pretty fixed. If you, if you would say, yeah, you are connected to certain images, what, what's happening. And of course there are different interpretations by different artists. Um, but I think for the runes, it's more, it challenges you to self-explore. And that's what I really like about it. So going back to the Wiccan thing, I think it, it kind of was a starting point as a teenager to get to know my own thing, my own path. Uh, it was just in curiosity and, and pure interest. I do have some friends though who are Wiccan. So, um, and funny enough, all those friends who are right now Wiccan, I was the first to introduce them to divination. So, <laughs> for some reason, if you if you're like not a, a pagan or a Wiccan yet, uh, if you talk with me for some reason, you turn into a Wiccan first. <laughs> that's just something that happens for some reason. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so no, that's that's a pretty similar story to. Um kind of myself growing up because my mom was very big into interior cards and um, divination and stuff like that and it's it's also it's pretty interesting that you mentioned in, like the dowsing rods um, so that was something that my mom used to be really like almost kind of like uh, like to show me off for for like a lot of her friends that were working because I was very even at a very young age like she would hand me dowsing rods and you know I would find the water lines and stuff like that in backyards and houses and stuff like that and uh, uh, my mom's friends would say, oh no, like bring them over, bring them over to our house and see if you can find them. Cause I would never, you know, never been to their, their house and where their backyard was. So it's, you know, it wasn't like I had that set uh, idea of where these lines were like with our house. And I would, you know, step on the, on their property and my mom would hand me these dowsing rods and I'd find them almost immediately. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny hearing that being brought up because yeah, I haven't, <clears throat> it's just a very similar, experience for myself growing up so i want to bring us back to snakes so <laughs> i had a thought and i was like oh these, they're clearly in a great conversation well let's go back to snakes um so actually i think the metaphor of the snake and loki is actually really accurate just because i feel like there is a misconception in this world that snakes are dangerous that when you see a snake that you should run that it's going to bite you that you're going to die from it you know you know you can even attribute it to like sharks you know everyone wants to be scared of sharks when they go to beach everyone wants to be scared of snakes when they go into a field but your chances of actually getting bit by a snake are extremely low your chances of being bit by a venomous snake extremely low and dying from such thing also extremely low and so but there's still that fear in our minds of them and so i think loki is a very similar you know presence in that is in the sense that a lot of people fear loki a lot of people give him that negative attribute like the moment you encounter him it's going to be bad the moment you have a, a loki experience it's only because you know there's harm in your life um and i think that's why it was so easy for you know the christianization of paganism to you know demonize him but in reality just like a snake you know, as long as you understand him, I feel like, you know, you're going to have a much easier time and actually can benefit from it and maybe actually see him as a cute little noodle as the kids call the snakes nowadays. No, and I can definitely see the definition of like snakes being dangerous and just dangerous animals overall and people being scared of them because there is just this uh, collective mind thing like um, 
which is an exercise we used to do with philosophy as well and also with the media if you pretty bad example but if you as a child with would think about a witch you will probably think about a witch as in how it would be portrayed in disney movies or media um and right now when you actually dive into it what a witch actually is you're like oh it's really different and i think that's the same kind of thing going on with uh, dangerous animals and snakes that you have this image because everybody thinks of snakes like that but when you actually dive into it and have that experience it actually is not that bad yeah it's that it's that it's that misconception that has been you know kind of just instilled in our minds for you know years and years and years um you know like a great example um i'm a i'm a hell follower and a lot of people uh have this you know this misconception that is she is this you know terrifying being you know death is scary you know that kind of thing <clears throat> and she's definitely not that she's not this terrifying you know evil creature that should be feared and everything like that she's you know a very very kind and caring person um and so like it's it's i've been kind of focusing my practice specifically with her around trying to change that misconception um you know like understand that yeah she is you know powerful in a sense that you know she oh you know she rules over the domain of death itself so yeah there's you know there is a an understandable fear there um but it's yeah kind of like with the snakes like we have kind of like this predetermined uh fear or sense of fear because of you know generations of oh no snakes are bad or like what you were saying with witches like you know you think of a witch say you know if i was to go to a friend of mine that wasn't pagan or hadn't been wiccan or something like that and i was like okay describe what you would think of witch to be and, you know you're usually going to get the you know, decrepit old lady with, you know, big nose and a wart on it and pointy hat and cackling teeth missing, you know, that kind of like the Disney equivalent to that. Um, so I definitely think it's, it's almost like our, I don't want to say duty, but it's, it's something that I think a lot of people has in Wiccan and paganism should try to do is kind of start to change those misconceptions of, uh, you know, like Loki being the equivalent to our devil or or evil or you know etc and things like that just to kind of shed a better light on things because yeah a lot of stuff has been demonized through christianity and, and things like that so to uh pull it back into dreams i'll share with i don't think i've actually shared this story publicly at all but i've actually had a very intense dream slash vision of loki like i've only had about three of these you know god dreams in a sense that were like deities have showed up in the dream that's felt quite real and loki being one of them so like i try to you know i don't talk about him very often but he's definitely like banged on my door a few times i'm like get out of here like i basically i had an offering once and i was just like i recognize you're trying to get my attention i'm not ready for you right now please go away <laughs> like i'll get there eventually um but yeah i had this really intense dream slash vision where um, I actually met him for the first time and we actually saw each other. Um, and it was such a strange and yet um, very real dream because one, he definitely looked like almost what you described, described him as Claire, almost like this magician, but he was like a, like almost like a traveling magician. Like he had a little caravan. Um, he was dressed kind of raggedy, but like with patchwork clothing. Um, he had like a little like curled mustache and a little goatee. Um, and he was trying to play a trick on me. He was trying to like con me, con me for money essentially. And like, I recognized him right away as Loki. And so like, right as he was trying to do his thing, um, I basically called him out. I'm like, you realize that I know who you are. Right. And then he like shapeshifted and hid and I had to go find him. 
and like finally came up to him. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, you know, I'm a follower of Odin. I recognize who you are. I don't want to cause you harm, but just like, don't try to steal my money. Um, and so like, that was the entire dream. And so it, it felt so genuine because one, he was both scared of me, but also he was trying to con me. And like the way he looked was just so, it felt like that, that is actually Loki. Like he looks more like, you know, this wandering magician than, you know, this like suave, clean cut, you know, Tom, you know, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, especially with like the shape-shifting thing. He, what I always experience, he tries to hide that he is actually, well, him. Like, um, like it is Loki and deep down you, you, you recognize the kind of like uh, energy he gives off, but he tries, he still tries to hide it. Like for, I think, probably seven years, I just called him Fred because I had no idea who he was. And then eventually he became Nagi for some reason. And then it became Loki. It's like, okay, I was, in a sense, I was getting closer step by step. Um, but he never really wanted to share his name. I was like, no, just just experience me as you, how you experience me. The name will come later. Uh, and it actually did. And it helped really form me, uh, help, help with the connection I do have with him um, a lot. But still in dreams, sometimes I see like a random figure. I'm like, I know it's you. I, I, I know it's you. And it's still like, no, it's it's not me. I'm like a completely different person. Like now you, rec now you you know um like i made yourself known or sometimes when i wake up it's like that was a weird dream but what, what's this figure and then i think about it, it's like that was loki 100 percent. i'm actually like i'm pretty grateful that i haven't had too many crazy experiences like that with him like i've had experiences with loki but it's usually been by default from working with you know with hell a lot a lot more often i associate myself with a lot of loki followers um you know, like the, the chaos crew kids kind of thing. Um, but it's, it, it is kind of interesting to like trying to think back on, on different experiences that I've had or potential like individuals that I've met in dreams and trying to think of, you know, if that was him or not. Cause I've had some pretty interesting dreams along those lines where I've had somebody kind of show up where they didn't necessarily want to tell me who they were or they made it, you know, very obvious that they were trying to hide who they were. And as, as you guys were talking about this, I'm just like racking my brain for all these different dreams and stuff and experiences that I may have had. I'm just like, wait, was that him or was that something else? You know, so it's it's, it's interesting, yeah, with the with him trying to hide who he really is, and and kind of like steer you in one direction or another. But I think at the same time, it can be helpful to potentially um, you know have him guide you in a different direction not knowing that it's him because you know like we were talking about earlier with that misconception say if you know he was to come out uh, just come out right and say hey i am you know i am loki here's a message for you somebody's going to take that with a, you know a lot differently than say if he came to you in a different appearance and name and something like that so you might have him you know a little bit easier time potentially going down a particular path that he might want you to go down it's just like essentially like the dream realm is really Loki's realm for some reason because it's so easy for him to shapeshift and go around and just make use of that whole environment and that symbolism going on to actually hide who he actually is. Well, uh, I do have few experiences with Hell as well. I actually had a dream about her last week, I believe, and she was way more direct than Loki ever has been <laughs> in my life so far. Because I remember in the dream, I was just walking like this very dark environment, like a dark wood environment. And I was looking at like, sh almost like shards of a mirror. Um, 
and I looked into it and I actually saw myself appearing as hell. My my face was halfway rotting away. I had horns coming out of my uh out of my head. I was like, what is this? All my 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 clothes were like rotten and stuff. And the moment I woke up and I went downstairs to get some breakfast, all my fresh products for the like a few of them rotted away for some reason overnight. And I was like, that happened. Okay. And then a few days afterwards, someone actually um, not very directly closely, to, uh, closely related to me, uh, actually died. So I was like, okay, someone is trying to reach out, I guess. Um, but I feel like Loki, in a sense, uh, sent me, sent her to me. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the experiencing that difference from like Loki, who is just trying to hide who he is, and then suddenly having that uh, experience with Hell, who just is like this is me deal with it kind of vibe <laughs> going on <laughs> that, was, that was really interesting to experience and i haven't met a lot of gods so far or goddesses but just experiencing a difference was so so intense but also so interesting uh, to see that there are there are different deities to explore as well and i'm really excited for that I was about to say, Ian, you probably got hell stuff to ask. <laughs> You're like, ooh, let's talk about yeah. hell. You, know, you, don't, you don't get to talk about it very often. <laughs> I don't. No, it's because a lot of people, you know, uh, the experiences that people have with her, usually like what you were saying, revolve around, you know, somebody passing away to a certain degree or some people, um, you know, just don't really have any experiences with her. But yeah, you, like what you were saying, where she is very much very direct, um, is very accurate. She doesn't really hold back to a certain degree when she has something for you. Um, so yeah, cause like, as you were kind of talking about it, I was like, yep, this all this all definitely checks out with a lot of things that I've experienced though, with the, the rotting produce and stuff like that. That That is interesting. I've, that would honestly kind of freak me out a little bit. Um, cause I, like, I've had some very, very intense and direct experiences with her, but luckily she hasn't messed with my produce yet. Well, the first dream I remember like very clearly is my first encounter with Loki and it was very simple it was it started out with a very casual dream like you're in front of the class and something goes wrong you know uh, and, and I got kicked out of class as like I was a toddler or something and next to me there was a huge red curtain and it was slowly opening and there would there was basically him kind of how you would describe him as that musician like the the clothes kind of like circus like uh, and also with the top hat and you have like all buttons like kind of badges on his um on his coat which were spiraling and there were spirals as well um I, afterwards i realized that the spiral could actually mean like jumping into a different realm or dimension so probably i would explain it right now that way uh, and he was actually like reaching out to me didn't say anything uh, and just asking for a simple dance and we just danced and it was as a toddler it was so cute you know just a, a simple swirl or just very nice piano music and then for some reason I just stepped out of the curtain again then a dream continued like it like it would normally would like it was like it there was a huge huge pause button and then it was like and let's move on uh, and then actually the, the whole dream itself also kind of because it, before it was kind of like a bad dream nightmare kind of ish and then after that moment that pausing moment the dream was actually becoming very happy so that was my first real memory of a dream ever and then thinking about that I would have been like four or five years old I believe that's uh, and I still remember it like 
like I had it last night. Um, and from that, dreams uh, became way more um, like a permanent thing happening to me. Like uh, occasionally I would just dream. Actually, I would dream every night and I can remember it. Sometimes I have two dreams and I still remember it. And a big part of like my day, like from the morning till the afternoon is just me processing what happened last night. And um, it can be very intense because sometimes I feel like I'm losing the day as well. Um, I actually had to get a small um, like therapy course for it, like how to deal with these intense emotions and things that happening uh, last night also would deal uh, eventually a lot with like uh, insomnia and sleep paralysis because I simply didn't want to go to sleep because it would, would be so intense. Um, and that is also where my practicing came into play. But there, Loki was a very prominent deity as well. Um, but there is still a difference between a dream to me and like slipping behind the veil, as I would call it, kind of like an astral traveling experience, like that pause moment and that real dream I described with at school really felt different. The, the past moment was really more vividly and I can remember very clearly, like I can remember the faces of the people around. I could remember the music, the little details. And then a dream is like when you wake up, like, okay, I know I had a dream. I know the basics of what happened in the dream, but the details are lost. So there is a clear difference between the two. And I don't think I have a lot of, I think weekly, like slipping behind the veil kind of thing. And every night I would have like dreams, dreams. So, yeah. I definitely think, um, I mean, we've talked about this before because we've had dream episodes before. Um, but, you know, my struggle with it has always been, you know, is honesty, honestly. You know, it's like, you know, spiritual honesty because I know there are definitely people out there that would lie about a dream or, you know, even have a dream and it honestly just be a dream and they just so happen to have gods in it and they take it too seriously or they take it as like a sign from the gods themselves when sometimes we do just have dreams and like you said that you know the difference between slipping behind the veil and just having a dream is a, is a hard one and it, you know it's a personal honesty that we have to be have to be real with ourselves you know when something does happen like i've had you know dreams where like thor was involved but it was very clearly just a dream you know it was very very loose very you know unvivid it just he was there and i knew it wasn't real but like these, like I said, I only have three slipping behind the veil, you know, kind of th with things where it was like, truly, I felt like I was somewhere else. I had complete control of my body. And I think we've talked about that before is like the big difference is that you actually have control of your actions. So, you know, it could be a form of lucid dreaming, but it's not like you actually plan to lucid dream. It just happens. Yeah, it's, it was a, actually, I think it was on the podcast where we were on with Forrest when we talked about like the difference between what is a dream and what we would consider like a vision or a experience or a message from the gods. Because yeah, like looking back at it, like I have a lot of dreams um, regularly, kind of like what you were saying, Claire, where it's, you know, I would, I would say I dream almost every night, but most of it is just, just dreams, you know, most of them I can remember, you know, bits and pieces of coming from it um but it's nothing very clear or distinctive or vivid and then uh i've definitely had my dreams where you know the slipping behind the veil thing where like i can remember it exactly as if i had it last night you know or if i you know i just woke up like a minute ago and i can retell it just like that um and it's it's finding those distinct differences i think that yeah a lot of people have an issue with and kind of like what you were saying jacob with like that that spiritual honesty of you know, sometimes you have to really look at a dream and be like, okay, was this just a dream or was there something, something to it? And, you know, I, having experienced, you know, both just normal dreams and that, that 
clear cut, you know, this is something more experienced. Like you, you just know coming from it. It's like, it's one of those weird things like you can't really describe it unless you've had it. So you, you just know, you just know when it happens. I can also say like that the differences between the two things are like um, when you slip behind the veil or I would occasionally call just astral traveling or lucid dreaming. Um, when you wake up, a normal dream would slowly fade away like more throughout the day and, and uh, like a slipping behind the veil experience would, would stay with you or even grow stronger. You're like that, that feeling doesn't let you go while dreaming is basically your brain processing what already happened like last like last day the, the the day before the day before or um like a week ago or a month ago or some big things in life which you still have to kind of place in your head um often like the the lucid dream or slipping behind the veil experiences is most of the time newer information i'd be like i never experienced this i never heard about this and then I actually do my research and like, oh, this is something I couldn't have known, <laughs> basically. And that's, a, that's like the, to me, that's the, the very clear difference between a normal dream and uh, uh, slipping behind the veil. It should be an easier word for this. This is my problem. <laughs> this is my problem my whole life. It's like I have this experience and I have no name for it because I, I still need to find out what it actually is. But um, I mean, how many we've called it like eight different things this entire episode, I feel like. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we just had to make a decision, you know. <laughs> no, but I also like, for some reason, not naming everything, essentially, because sometimes it would take away from the experience. Like, if I would call it a lucid dream, people would have different ideas, like, oh, that's how I control my dreams. Like, no, most of the time, slipping behind the veil is not something you control necessarily, something you just clearly remember and just happens to you. Um, well, astral traveling is also something you can do with meditation, and it's not really something within a dream. So... I don't know if there is actually a name for it. Like, interesting. I mean, Should I think, look that up. you know, like every culture calls it something different. You know, I've heard it called soul travel before and things like that. Um, you know, one of my interests um, in, you know, religion in general, not just Norse paganism is of course, Native American spirituality. Um, and then, you know, and the shamanism is something I've been diving more into and researching, you know, the shamanism globally. And it seems like every religion, culture, spirituality, you know, whatever has always had, an identity for somebody that can see beyond that can have dreams that you know that breach the veil and so that's why we have so many names for it is because it's so universal around the world um that these things kind of happen and it you know in the last 200 300 400 years really that's become less popular less common and honestly been snuffed out you know it's not seen as something that should be you know should be practiced um but now in the last 40, 50 years, you know, with the increase in popularity of Wicca, um, with, you know, paganism on the rise all across the world from all various different types of pantheons, you know, we're starting to see people take it more seriously, but we're also having to relearn it. Um, you know, before you would have hundreds and thousands of years of ancestral and, you know, community knowledge passed down that like when you have those kind of dreams, you would go to someone in your village and say, hey, I just had a vision of a god, what does this mean? And they would be able to help you interpret it, but we, we don't have that anymore. So we're having to figure it out for ourselves. So I feel like that's kind of the weird spot we find ourselves in is that yes people are having dreams about the gods again and really the teachers are dead and we're having to learn it for ourselves the kind of teacher would got which got introduced to us is the internet people would just google it and the thing about the internet is there are so many sources and you don't know what is real and what is not and there's also the thing that sometimes you just want want to have like a very special experience and you would read about it and you would be like yes 
that's it. Just because I think that's interesting, that's the thing that happened to me. And that's something um, which I feel is is a problem as well. I mean, if you if you catch a cold or something where you just don't feel good, you're going to Google your symptoms. Everybody probably has done that. <laughs> and it's probably going to say something like, you're not going to live long anymore. Um, it, it's just it, or you're pregnant it's, it's always you're pregnant like yeah. I remember when I got my uh like my kidney infection like I was googling like my symptoms and sure enough it was like you might be pregnant I'm like I can't be pregnant <laughs> things like that and for someone who can essentially get pregnant or is like just making these connections which are not there like oh no I'm pregnant you know kind of uh, kind of thing going on and I think that goes the same for things like dreams or and such like um oh I had a dream about I don't know about a certain flower, just mentioning something, and oh, that means uh, that's associated with a god or a thing, and maybe I had a vision about that god. Well, essentially, in the dream, it was just a flower, nothing more, nothing less. Maybe something you've seen a few days ago. So there's a lot of misinterpretation, and people rather just Google it instead of going to a professional or someone who's actually into that stuff to interpret those dreams uh, uh, and actually have like a personal reading. And that's what I also like, yeah. I think I have a good metaphor here. So like, actually, when I was going through my kidney infection, I remember like sitting there, like you Google it and the thing that popped up was like kidney cancer. You know, it's like, I've never had problem in my kidneys before. Why am I feeling pain? Third thing down, kidney cancer. Like it was most likely a kidney infection, like 99% chance that it was a kidney infection. But my mind's like, I have cancer. You know, there is no doubt that that's what I have. Um, and then I, the only thing that actually helped me get out of that fear mindset is looking up, you know, symptoms other people had, people's stories. And people with kidney cancer are like, oh, it feels like I'm being stabbed by a hot knife 90% of my day. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Like it is a mild irritation. <laughs> so it's like, I don't have that. I don't have that. But I think the same thing with dreams and, you know, interpretations and even divination is once you, if you talk to someone that's been through it, has helped others through dreams and in divination, you know, you might have that sign of the flower and say, oh, does it represent this God? But someone that's had these conversations, had these dreams, they'll be able to tell you like, no, that's just a flower. But if all of a sudden it has all these other things tied into it, they can say, well, you know, you're the only person I've ever, you know, heard of that had this specific kind of dream. So it might mean something. So I think, you know, again, like with the whole ancestral teacher knowledge, things like that, as more and more people begin to become more knowledgeable in these things, they can help us interpret the severity of the dreams and visions that we have. I think a, a big, um, where that, that shift in mindset as far as dream interpretations go, where it is like everything has some sort of meaning behind it was uh, was with Freud when his, he really spearheaded a lot of stuff with dream interpretations. And he was the one that really started writing down like the psychological aspect of it of like, okay, you had a dream about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, granted, you know, he did a, a enough studying of individuals and numbers that had similar things, but then he also took it and looked at, you know, what kind of similar experiences that they had in life, which is where you get, you know, the thing like, say, I don't know, you had a, a dream of like fire or something like that. And it's like, okay, like, are you angry at something or, you know what I mean? Like it, it's certain things like that. I think because so many people, because it may, honestly, he was really the biggest, uh, you know, pioneer with kind of doing that stuff in you know the last couple hundred years and his 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 works became so prominent i feel like that's where we're you know by a lot of people just assume that there's something tied to everything because for the most part like like if you were saying claire you can hop on the internet and find something and usually that comes from his workings 
and you know obviously other people have tweaked it a little bit and added different things but yeah we don't have individuals who look at it from a a less of a a uh academic mindset and you know there's less people looking at it from like a spiritual aspect so you don't necessarily have somebody that's not afraid to tell you just hey like that was just a dream or okay this there might actually be something in here so it's a little bit more like a inflated in a sense of there being meanings literally everything side note i just uh i remember someone messaged me on instagram they were like hey i had a dream about a one-eyed man with a spear and two ravens and two wolves do you think it was odin and i messaged him back i'm like do you really need me to tell you that it was odin like do you do you honestly need that is it just like the the justification of it like get out of here you know who it was makes me wonder what would have happened if you said no Uh, that is actually <laughs> incorrect, sir. You actually witnessed uh, the great, the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> oh, that would be great. No, I think I forgot what I was supposed to say. I was trying to say. Okay, That's I'm going back to that. That's all my fault. <laughs> Fine, I'll I'll uh, get a little preachy about Freud. Also, just like the internet, don't trust everything Freud said. All of a, you know. So I. have I dated a psychologist for a long time. And then she was like, don't trust Freud. I went through six years of education. Don't trust Freud. <laughs> I've met spiritual same goes people. For a lot of, yeah. <laughs> same goes for a lot of philosophers. Like some of them are just plainly crazy. Just read it, take take out of it what you want and move on kind of idea. But also with the, with the dream interpretation, I had some people uh, coming to me also like asking about dreams. And then I would give them an explanation, which was which often is just pretty logical and not that very special because it's just your mind processing what happened the past days or weeks or months. And they're like, oh, I don't like that. And it keeps adding and they keep adding more stuff like, but this was also there, but this is also there, like kind of to milk that divination out of it. It's like, no, it was just a dream. And um, for someone, for people I know who do this like as a, as a job, um, I actually have people actually have people refusing to pay them or just even being like, you're wrong, you're uh, you're a fraud and just hang up the phone or something like, whoa, just because you didn't like that explanation doesn't mean that it's not true. So that I, I, I get that that whole idea. And then I'd rather just Google something and just and be like, oh, but I did have a vision. That person was wrong. So yeah, I, I can really uh, emphasize that, uh, that people do that. It's, it's crazy. People always want to, like, most of the time, want to know or want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah, they definitely want something more out of it than what it potentially is. Um, so um, we're in the last 15 minutes of the podcast here. So I want to move forward into the future of Claire. So what are you working on? What do you hope to work on? Because I know you've got the media stuff going on. You're almost graduated. Congratulations, everyone in your cars right now. Keep your hands on the wheel. I'll try to give her, a, you know, give her a clap because I, I assume most people listen to us on their commutes to work. <laughs> What's going up for me? Well, first my graduation, um, but right now I'm really, uh, <laughs> really into the. Um, I really want to educate people on media and what it is and what it does to people, uh, especially with younger generations. We most we really want to grab that phone and we have that fear of missing out. And I really want to um, exactly <laughs> all the phones <laughs> and that huge fear of missing out. I mean, if you go to Instagram, if you go to any social media, there are a lot of um the the perfect instagram life i would often call it um but that's not real life and yet you're scrolling through media uh wanting that life 
and actually not getting it because it's just very, it's easier to look at it instead of just getting it. Um, also emphasizing here the go outside thing, like if you want to have those beautiful views and stuff, uh, like the great nature, go out in nature, don't look up pictures of nature, go out in nature uh, and stuff like that. And I really wanna educate people just also from a marketeer's perspective, because that's something that is also a big thing in my education. We are tricking you. <laughs> we are actively tricking, tricking uh, we are actively tricking you. Um, and, uh, and I, I know the tricks, I've done the tricks because I've done internships as well. And I know how it works. Just very simple things like most social media icons used to be blue just because it trick you into blue light thinking it's day time. So you would be on there longer. Uh, think about things like Facebook and Skype, for instance. Uh, those are like small tricks to keep you on. And I really want to get people from that screen <laughs> And go to more like, I don't know, if you want to do something with entertainment, go to a live performance, go to a concert, which is not very something you could do right now, but in the future, definitely. And just get out there and, and know what's happening on the screen. Um, that's definitely something I'm also going to work on for my graduation. I'm going to do the research about specifically that. And I hope to actually push that through. And I'm uh, also... Yeah, technically considered a neoplatonist so I just use old myths and old stories to kind of retranslate it into the modern time um, like I mean they used to describe it the problems they had then um, like in the older and in, like in history but right now there's you can still apply them to like the, the, the modern age um, and I'm really using those myths and I'm really using those stories and legends and experiences people had to kind of um yeah strengthen that message i'm getting to go through so hopefully that will be there in my in the future <laughs> to work on so it's funny i actually picked up i was sharing it with the discord yesterday i picked up this book yesterday that i didn't even know it existed it's called the misfilled path by frank McEwen. um it was written in 2002 and it talks about like celtic shamanism celtic you know uh, it's literally the subtitle is celtic wisdom for exiles wanderers and seekers so of course i had to buy it um and the first section is like a forward by the author talking about how society does, does wants you to be asleep it doesn't want you to be awake um and how that we need to return to the misfilled path which to him is that that veil because um he, you know he sees the you know where the gods are is when the warm sun meets the cool air and creates the mist and that's where he finds the gods um and so i really one i really love this book so far but the thing that i find fascinating is that this was written in 2002 before the dawn of the smartphone so even in 2002 when it was just televisions just the you know the dawn of video games um you know and even really the dawn of the portable phone um, you know, he was still talking about this and it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten more controlling since 2002. So, it, you know, it, to me, this proves that, you know, back in 2002, people might've been like, oh, he's a little crazy. Like the world doesn't want us to be asleep, whatever. But now the, we, I think it is very uh, like precedent that the world are very present, that the world really wants you to, you know, just be on your phone because it makes the money, be in your house because it makes them money, you know, absorb media because it makes them money you know they don't want you to go outside people going outside don't make nobody no money <laughs> um and so i just think it's you know like you said you know or you said something that may remind me of this book um but it definitely seems like that the what society wants for us is not what's good for us anymore yeah it's, it's just finding that balance um and i think the the old myth uh, myth i most refer to is the the soul myth of Plato, 
uh, and actually the complex of uh, Sona or Sol uh, and Mani, which are like chased by the wolves, which is essentially also happening to us. We are also being chased by these wolves and trying to find that perfect balance between our inner moon and our inner sun, our passion and our inner uh, needs. So I, I, some, I try to kind of link those references as well as today because it, it still applies in some way. I mean, in 2002, they probably had different things they could link it to. But right now with the smartphone, it's like 100% copy paste almost. Even did a philosophy project about how we are basically all, uh, which is a Greek myth, Icarus and the sun, where how we are all somehow Icarus who are essentially just keeping burn or are keeping burning ourselves to the sun because we really want to reach something that is unreachable, that perfection, that passion. Uh, and essentially it's about finding the balance between that passion and the water, which is just a natural flow of life. So um, yeah. I should, I should actually go into that book. It sounds really interesting. We are getting closer to the end of this podcast. So Claire, if you could, please let everyone know where they can find you if you want them to find you on Instagram. Oh, and actually, I was going to ask you, since you got this background in media, are you going to like create a YouTube or like make some videos? Like, what's the plan here? Like, let's dive into that. But yeah, also make sure you plug yourself one more time on Instagram. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking about making YouTube videos also about what uh, I just talked about with the media and stuff. Um, but yeah, for now, you can find me on Instagram at chaotic underscore Claire. Uh, if anything is going to happen on YouTube or media or any projects, I will probably upload there, uh, upload it there and let, uh, let everybody know there. So, uh, definitely reach out if, if you want to ask me anything, uh, uh, on the Instagram. So, Yeah. But yeah, the, the YouTube thing has been on my mind. I mean, I have the equipment, I have the cameras, I have the microphones. So it's like, why not? But just, yeah. <laughs> I think I have like one YouTube video, which was a very short ritual I did for Yule. And it was just basically trying out my camera with low light. And I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I, I just put it public and I don't know. <laughs> not really a vision yet, but it's, it's probably gonna, gonna be there somewhere in the future. <laughs> I finally remember what I was going to talk about with college. So um, I got really into like art theory. So when I went into fine arts programs, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be a painter. I'm going to just paint things. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's this whole other world of art theory, or I, I will never forget, like I had a digital media instructor, you know, that was about graphic design, animation, things like that. And I was like, hey, I think his name is Matt. I was like, hey, Matt, like really cool dude, long hair, big, bushy, like he looked like the Sasquatch from like the Sasquatch commercials, love this dude. And um, I was like, hey, Matt, so like, what art do you do now? Like what, you know, what do you do with your degree? Um, and he's like, oh, I don't make art. I'm like, what do you mean you don't make art? Like, well, you're an artist. And he was like, no, I talk about digital media theory. And at first I was like, ah, that's, that's just, you know, pile of crap. What are you talking about? But then I really started like my senior year, I really get it, got into it uh, talking about like film theory and photography theory um, and even painting theory and things like that. I wrote this like really bizarre paper on um, like black, like darkroom photography and digital photography and how we actually are losing our souls by making our world more convenient. Um, because when I first got in photography, I got only into film, black, dark, darkroom photography. And it was such an amazing process because one, you don't know how your picture turned out when you took the picture. You actually had to worry about things like ISO, um, you know, F-stop, aperture, all those things. And you don't know how it turned out until days later, potentially, you know, when you're in the darkroom for hours, you know, working at it. And it, it was a fine art. But now that it has been so dumbed down, 
to just the art of take, putting up your phone, taking the picture. I mean, you don't have to have a DSLR anymore. Phones take great pictures. And I mean, we really have lost some of our soul, even in the things that, you know, we, we, we at one time didn't even think had a soul. Also goes for editing. I remember having a class about, you know how people used to do editing? And then I saw those rolls and how they would snap all this, uh, like the separate frames. And I was like, oh no. Oh, I'm so glad that doesn't happen anymore. Then you just start up a program and you can do everything you want within minute, minutes and you can almost have like a Hollywood movie if you put your mind to it in like an hour and you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> so I, cool. I, you know, like the idea of like cutting clips and, you know, editing, like literally, you know, I use Final Cut Pro and it has a blade for when you cut clips. Yeah. And like, I just thought that was a cute thing, but no, it's because that's a representation that they literally had to use to cut clips. Um, and even filters, it's like, oh, we just think it's filters is this thing we put on the screen. No, that was a thing they actually had to put on the lens or put on the film itself. Like, oh my gosh. I think same goes for like, if you want to uh, save like on Word, the floppy disk icon, people just don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> last art nerd thing I'll say is because I mentioned darkroom photography like I use Photoshop for a long I've always used Photoshop and like they have like the burn tool and the dodge tool and I was like I don't know why they call them those things I just know what they do and sure enough I get into darkroom photography and they're like okay well if you want to make this one section of the photo darker you literally like cover the light with your hand and like do like shake your hand to expose that one area of film to light more which then makes it darker it's so wild and like the dodge is literally like it's a circle with a line on it is the sign is a symbol sign and I didn't know why but there's literally a tool like that that you wave over a spot in the picture so it doesn't get as dark I'm like what is this <laughs> it's so interesting I never knew that but it's just hidden within like modern programs uh like all those old things very cool <laughs> just like the aqueducts everyone was forgetting how they work but exactly on that note let's go ahead and start closing out this episode claire thank you so much for joining us we've had a very wide range of topics talking from <laughs> i don't even know what i'm going to call this episode i think it'll be just like it's talking about you know loki chaos dreams with claire <laughs> and photography i don't know well, we should just call this episode like chaos just in general <laughs> <laughs> i'll just put fire just emojis chaos. <laughs> uh but yeah thank you so much for joining us it's been a true pleasure to have you on the show um but folk if you are interested in being on the folk podcast please think about emailing us at the folk podcast at gmail.com um and just tell us why you'd like to be on tell us what you'd like to talk about or if there's a topic you would like us to discuss in a video please email us there as well um last bit of note um if you are interested in the wisdom of odin and the content that we put out here or even the wisdom of odin discord community please consider um coming to patreon at the wisdom of odin and donating there um not only will you be supporting this channel and what i do and the team does here but also you'll be um joining a wonderful community on discord possibly getting early access videos and all those good things but folk until next time until the hall skull Goal. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet because there's only three of us. Three of us? Yeah. <laughs>